We are downtown. We are historic. We are family. We are scriptural. We are First Baptist Church. If you would, turn with me to Galatians 5, 22 through 25. It is in the bulletin, and we're going to read that aloud together. Uh, so let's stand and let us read. This, then, is the text for today. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. May God bless the reading of His Word. How do you think people would respond when asked about Jesus' life? Like a talk show, people on the street, they go up to him with a microphone. How do you think they would speak about Jesus' life and ministry? What, what do you think they would come up with? What stories do you think they would remember? If you were to ask people in your life and all the ones that surround you, what were the kinds of things Jesus did? What do you think they would say? We know, reading through the Gospels, that Jesus did astonishing things every day. His first miracle was at the wedding in Cana of Galilee, where he turned water into wine. He, he walked on water. He calmed the storms. He drove out demons. He raised Lazarus. He fed 5,000. He fed 4,000. He healed droves of people. I wonder if these kinds of things are the kinds of things people think of when they think about Jesus Christ. Because those are the sorts of things that drew crowds then, and they're the very same kinds of things that draw crowds today. To see Jesus do a thing like this. To see Jesus perform a miracle. To watch as a, a lady touches the hem of his garment and she's healed. And he knew it. Those are the sorts of things that drew in the crowds. And the crowd hasn't changed much. The crowd chases after that which gives them a shot of adrenaline. But, you know, Jesus was more than those kinds of things. He did them. By the power and authority of heaven, he did those kinds of things. It's part of who he was. But if you want to see clearer, if you want to see the person of who Jesus Christ was, if you want a better picture, look up how Jesus saw Nathaniel or how he interacted with Nicodemus, or how he conversed with a woman at the well. There are all these interactions with people, with individuals in the first four books of the New Testament that give us a better understanding of who Jesus was and our relationship to God. You know, we, when we talk about Jesus, we, we tend to want to jump to what we think are these moments where Jesus defies the laws of physics. 
And as creator, he's able to do so. As the one who set the laws of physics in motion, he can be the one that bends the laws of physics to his will. But don't miss those interactions with the people. Don't miss those conversations with the individual. Because in, in those things, how, how Jesus walked into Matthew's house, how he, he went into Zacchaeus's for lunch, or how he challenged the rich young ruler, every one of these conversations is a miracle. The incarnate God came to be with us and to share life with us and to speak with us and have conversation with us. That is a miracle itself. It's, it's Jesus Christ on this earth telling us how to live, showing us how to live, and in those conversations, we see who God is. You see, what, what you see all along the way in, in, in the miracles and in the conversations that Jesus has all through the New Testament, you, you see that he is the perfect embodiment of the fruit of the Spirit. All of these things that we've been reading in Galatians 5 all week, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You, you see this heart in Jesus when, when anyone crossed his path. Je Jesus was loving and in control, faithful even in rebuke. And, and, and we want to keep getting this, this clearer picture of God. And so as we, do, as we move back from, from the miracles into the, into the conversations that he had, let's zero in on who he was as a loving Savior. Because as, as we, we hear from, from Galatians, I mean, excuse me, from Romans, look with me at Romans chapter 5. That's where he wants to go next. Look at Romans 5, 6 through 8. And hear about the person of Christ, but, but in particular, hear about who we are in this relationship. Look with me, Romans 5, 6 through 8. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare even die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So you, you hear how this verse talks about us. Helpless, sinful. And if you go a couple of verses later, even enemies of God. And all of these things are true of us. This, the helplessness, the sinfulness, enemies to God's ways. All of these things are true of us apart from Jesus Christ. This is who we are apart from him. We, we chase after our own ways. We chase after our own desires. And eventually it leads to just this snowball of destruction that sets us against God himself. You see, so many of us, tend to, to think of ourselves as, as capable, that, that we can work our way through it, that we can work our way through the pain of this earth, that we can work our way through the, the isolation of quarantine, that we can work our way through the, the suffering in a virus or the, the suffering in destruction. We think we can get through it, but we aren't capable. We, we think that, that we're good enough to make this right, but, but we're not. 
apart from Jesus Christ, this all ends in destruction and death. You cannot help yourself, and you will never be good enough. And, and if we say otherwise, if, if we say that we can help ourselves, or if, if we, we say or we act like we can do enough to get there, that separates us from God and in fact makes us an enemy of God. And, and we become an enemy of God waiting for the fire of God's judgment to rain down on us from heaven. And see, what, what you see in this, that, that was true then and it's true now, and you see how Jesus interacts with these, with us, the helpless, the sinful, enemies of God, and how Jesus interacts with those are the perfect example of love. In fact, that's what we hear in that scripture. That this is where Jesus' love steps in. That even when we ignorantly thought we, we were good enough, even when we never realized we were an enemy of God himself, Jesus Christ died on a cross for you so that you might be spared the judgment of God and have life. You see, this is, this is what love is. This is how Scripture defines love. Uh, one laying down his life for another. One laying down his life for an enemy so that they might live. This was Jesus perfectly embodying that love, the first one of the fruit of the Spirit. You see, the most loving thing that Jesus Christ ever did was to give up his perfect life for your unsalvageable one. Jesus bore the wrath and punishment of God. The wrath and punishment that we deserve, that you deserve, that I deserved, shedding blood so that you might have life abundantly. That is the love of God. You see, this love of God, it's the patience of God in that he didn't want any to die. He didn't want any to fall into the judgment, and so he's waiting patiently on us, waiting patiently in the cross, offering his love and opportunity in the cross so that we might be saved. And the Bible is clear on our response. See, when we see and we recognize this love, we are to repent and believe. And when you repent and you believe, you are crucifying your flesh on the cross with Jesus Christ. The, the person you used to be, the one who was, dies up there on the cross with Jesus Christ, and you are born again. You are born a new person. All of those old desires and old behaviors, all those destructive things of your life are swallowed up in the grave. And our reverse text speaks to this in verse 24. But look back with me at Galatians 2.20. So Galatians 2.20 has a similar truth that God is speaking over us this morning. So look with me at Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. When you repent and believe, you are given new life in Jesus Christ. There, there's nothing else for us to do. There, there's no other work to it. it it's, it's believing in who he was and giving up that old way of life, allowing it to be crucified with him so that it is no more, and you surrender completely unto Jesus Christ. 
And, and in those moments, what, what you see in our reverse text this week, what begins to happen then, is as we repent and believe, the Holy Spirit does a work in our life and, and begins to transform us. Your, your, your life starts to look more and more like Jesus Christ in the Gospels. You, you start to love sacrificially. All the people around you will begin to notice this newer, purer love that happens in your interactions with them. In fact, you'll begin to, to um, live like Jesus and have self-control that you've never had before. You'll, you'll find yourself being able to say no. You'll find yourself stopping. You'll, you'll find sin becomes heartbreaking to you. In fact, all, all of the fruit of the Spirit just start to show up more and more as God transforms our life. You see, the Holy Spirit shows up and begins this process to make you holy. And you, you know it's working when you see those seven things show up more and more again. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Gentleness, self-control. So are we, are we seeing those in our life this morning? Are we seeing those around us? Because the problem on this side of eternity is that the flesh fights back against it. The flesh fights back against the spirit like an unbroken horse. And it begins to push and kick and fight against it. And, and when, you, when you feel like a, a brunk, lean into God. D draw near to him, and he will draw near to you. In fact, look with me at James 4. One, one more text for this morning. When we, when we feel the flesh fighting back against the ways of God, when we feel the flesh fighting back against Scripture, let this come to our minds, James 4, 7 and 8. Submit, therefore, to God. Get on your knees before him. Surrender everything unto him. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. God, God is, is calling out to you to, to come in near to him, to, to stop fighting against his ways and fall down before him and be made right again. Because th this is the work of God. This is the work of God that, that he has for you, that he, that he has for your life. And so if, if we will surrender to God, we will see and know these things. You know, we, we, we want to make it through quarantine. We, we want to make it through the virus and that'll be good when that day comes. But I can assure you this, until Jesus Christ comes again, there's going to be another virus. There, there's going to be more turmoil. There's going to be more war. There's going to be more uncertainty. There's going to be more poverty. Those things come and go in this world in a, in a terrible cycle of sin. There's going to be another one. But what you can know and what you can have is a love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control through all of it. 
that the Spirit of God will walk through these things with you and pick you up when you need picked up, to, to hold your hand when you need your hand held, to, to be a, a real presence with you when you feel isolated. That God is with you working through all of these things. In fact, the only way we will ever know the love and joy and peace is to surrender to God. That's the only way we will ever find it. You're, you're never going to find them anywhere else. And so as we, as we talk about these fruit of the Spirit this morning, if, if your life seems the opposite of those things, the, the opposite of love, the opposite of peace, the opposite of patience, the opposite of gentleness, let me encourage you this morning to submit, therefore, to God, to surrender your life unto him and see what he can do with it. And trust the promise that these are the things that the Holy Spirit is going to bring into your life when you need them the most. Be there with you and for you through all of it. Let's pray together. Our Lord, we thank you for these scriptures and for the work of your Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. And Lord, we pray this morning that you would give every one of us the courage to bow down and surrender unto you. That we would let go of all the things that we need to let go of. Lord, that we would surrender our fears, our uncertainty, our worries, our anxiety, and lay them at your feet that we might be made right. It's in the name of our Lord and risen Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.